unfortunately. I couldn't. I mean, that became a shame. They couldn't have only this snake of this stuff. I mean. Maybe, uh, yes, maybe we could do something with the time. Sorry? Maybe we could do something another time. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it was, a, it was all very quite tasty with it, I mean, but because they told me that they need more than three weeks to go. So they sent me, they, they will arrive on next week probably. Oh, that's a shame. I know, I know. So how, how long are you at King's for? No, I'm, I'm, I'm visiting. I have a creation. I have, I'm oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can do it. But I don't know if that can we do it twice. Um, we could perhaps not the same, exactly the same thing, but we could try and do something else okay. yeah. related. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can work something with Ben. I mean, um, I was trying to. Yeah, perhaps that's just my stuff that I can move out of the way. Um, yeah, like this. Yeah, something like this. Unfortunately, I couldn't get the, <laughs> uh, the all of them, so I put here. He gave me the, uh, he brought the clicker. Ah, oh, brilliant. Uh, ah, what clicker? Ah, uh, clicker works with the PDF, okay. okay. I forgot it. Yeah, and what else? He gave me the... The microphone as well. Yeah, here. Great. Uh, We've got a handheld mic as well for the questions. Yeah, yeah, it should be on. It should, we should make it. Let me... Yeah. Um, so for the Q and A, I'll hand this round. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, and um, yeah. recorded. Thank you. So we have more solid food. I mean, they can still buy the copy. Yeah. Um, Dear Uncle, unfortunately, it's the end of term at King's, so it's very everyone is very busy. We've had we've had a, a, a good pe few people sign up through the Eventbrite page, so yeah. But um, but yeah, we could organise something later in the year or early next academic year. Yeah. Certainly, I was going to do next academic year, but then I said it might be better because I published in June, then I uh, published in June 2019. Right. Then I didn't want to delay further, so I was on the maternity leave, so I didn't want to postpone it further. So, I mean, uh, so that's why I thought, but then still wanted to do it again and told me you might have a lot of time for talking to yeah. And then I said, okay, let's try. Yeah. Let's try to screen before the end of the year. So it was a bit yeah. quiet. Yeah. I, I hate the unfortunately. Yeah. But, but perhaps a, a related topic or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we can do uh, yeah. Yeah, as well. It was advertised on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, th th I mean, they are quite good that they pick up oh, okay. these things automatically. So, okay. Um, because, I mean, like, some, some colleagues didn't receive, so I thought that it was But it hmm. wasn't with me, if I don't forget it, but it's linked to School of Politics. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, I certainly got the yeah. message. Because um, you're in development? No, no, I'm in development. I was just taught last year, but I'm based in the, I was always in the Department of Middle Eastern Studies. Okay. But then it became institute. Yes. But then institute is linked to DPU, so I'm not sure. So we're, we're, yeah, we're linked to the, we're in the school, school. but yeah, we're a lot of. Yeah. But where is the work based then? I'm actually in defense studies, which is even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're based in, um, we're based in Oxford. <coughs> 
Mm. Yeah, although I'm currently in Tunisia on on research oh. leave, so oh, I, I'm, I'm doing this um, okay. and, and, and Tunis. Um, you got to meet Albert Einstein? I, I'm already there, so I've come back from Tunisia. How was it? Were you, you visited him? Uh, yes, so ah. I got back yesterday, yeah. Yeah. So when I was traveling, so yes, I was, I was at the airport. <laughs> yes, it is. Really sunny. So, um, and what are you working on at the moment? I, I mean, I'm just doing this computer posture policy and I'm working on the more public policy. The Russian call the college Marina, and also on the public policies, especially housing in Turkey and Russia. And we do compare to that work, so we want to do comparison housing, and we want to go to the energy fields that we can that are taking comparison the public policies in authoritarian regimes, like competitive uh, authoritarian regimes. So we compare them in terms of how they deliver to the uh, public why facing the needs of the new elites. So it's kind of, and also, uh, also applying to the new, uh, this, uh, the new public schools or new universities, kind of state is kind of, uh, doesn't want to get involved in public activities. So it delivers, uh, delegates the tasks to uh, kind of agencies. So you see it's similar pattern in both Russia and uh, Turkey. She's an expert in housing in Russia, yeah. housing policy. So we do also the, <laughs> hi Matya. Hey. It wasn't the, yeah, when a Monday, so it was today. I know, I know. I know, yeah. I know. Christina I know. was telling me. And I realized that. Yeah, so that's what, yeah, so, so that's what I'm doing. But that's, uh, I have other things, but I'm just trying to, uh, that, that I want to finish is uh, this one with uh, Marina and then used to be at the Russian Manchuria Stadium. Oh. He came for a visit for a while, but he's been, now he seems to be Finland in the Russian Center for Russia Studies. Okay. So we do Russia-Turkey comparison that way. Yeah, but it's much better than focusing on single countries. Yeah. I think it's more interesting and more comparative focus rather than middle areas or rather than like a area study. Yeah, or very typical. I like it more when you create. <coughs> I find it more interesting than just focusing on single countries. I, I don't know. Even it might sound a bit niche, but I'm focusing on just countries. I think so. Yeah, it should okay. be. Okay, let's get.
these two. Yeah, yeah, by all means. I'm afraid she, she didn't have any more, any more copies, but, but the uh, flyers are definitely. Yes, please, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit. Hi, Billy. <laughs> um, so it's from Black uh, Blanca on. Oh, I know. Okay, no, they like this. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what you're doing. <laughs> 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 I don't yeah, thank you. So, Billy, how are you? Good. 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 Çocuk Çok tatlı. Bir 
Jesus, I'm so sorry for being sick. There are those who are not even being sick because of COVID-19. Yeah. And then this is what you said. Yeah. 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 It's way too long. Shall we wait like six then? Like six five? Um, Shall we wait five? Minutes? Yeah, I was going to say if we give another yeah, yeah. No matter what time you start. Because there are lots of other levels of 50, I don't know. 50, sign it down? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you would, would, would lose a few, but um, yeah. 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 Simona also couldn't make it. There will be two. Oh, we can close one of them. How oh, shall we close one of them? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So, what will be the, the main output from your, uh, from your project on housing in uh, Russia? Uh, it's like a more like a, they want to cater to the needs of the both public. Like, of, it's not like that I say the top authoritarian policy line up. Like, authoritarian regimes also, they need to. You know, deliver goods and uh, you know uh, services to the public, even if uh, for their own consolidation. And so they need to cater to the needs of the, both the public and the elite. And while doing this, so it looks like um, they put in also the new public structure. So I try to show that there are lots of. Similarities between authoritarian governments, both in um, Turkey and Russia. So, yeah, it's fine. Thank you. So, there are a lot of similarities where they apply the public policy 
for their own electoral consolidation. So it's more complicated politics like that. And they use uh, these infrastructure in public transfer. Like for example, they use information. For example, they use social networks for the housing. They keep making the construction for the sake of, for example, prevention. But this is a more extreme. They have been doing more and more construction also which is housing for housing and exchange for transportation for the new bourgeoisie and also they make future in the construction firms like private construction firms, new contractors and also in the meantime they also use like a information mobility frameworks and in the public policy there's mobility organization treasure so they use for example inactive information and they deliver they want to they use for example the architects are coming we need to build more and more uh, houses we need to destroy the demolish the old one we need to make more and more houses for the sake of nuclear prevention uh, high high in so we can make better plots. Yeah, maybe people at time that put so should people at time put fill in there. Do you think they could find the place? I mean hacking is there again. It's possible. It's possible they they struggle to find it, but um it's also, I mean, you will lose if you from you always get more people sign up that actually come. Yeah, fifty was good enough. Uh, let's make um, fifty. Yeah, here's a three minus zero. Shall we start, guys? Six times. Okay, five more minutes, maybe. Yeah. Guys, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying uh, like I'm not basing choices. So of course, it's, there's a pressure on the academics. You know, they don't want anyone to speak up. You know, there's always a pressure. So. It's it's not anymore. It's not as you know. It's not according to Poland before. Turkey is not anymore in the democratic country. So it's quite uh, all authoritarian. I mean, it has to, that's why actually it's very logical at the moment to make a comparison with Russia because a couple of years ago there was not something that trending. Now actually there is. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, three more minutes and we can start, guys. Yeah. Yeah. While, while we're waiting, um, uh, there are some flyers here at the front um, to give you a discount on book. So if you don't have one and would like one, please do help yourself. Um, Thank you, gentlemen. Don't how close you are to Christmas. If you're looking for a last minute stocking filler, <laughs> you could do a lot worse. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Yes.
Okay, um, good evening everybody and thank you very much for coming along um, uh, to uh, this event. Um, my name is Jonathan Hill and I'm Director of the Institute of Middle Eastern Studies here at King's College London and I'm delighted to introduce and welcome Sevinj Pemek um, who is going to speak and present on her new book, um, The Support Flyers if you want to inspect the merchandise, please, again, do please feel free to go ask some copies here. Um, you're, you're going to speak for 30 minutes? Yes, yeah, 30, yeah. Yeah, for about 30 minutes, and then um, she'll be very happy to take any questions you might have. Um, just so you're aware, the evening's proceedings are being recorded uh, as a post podcast for posterity, so um, if you have any questions, keep them clean, I'm sure you would. Um, I'll pass a microphone around uh, when we get there so we can make sure we capture everybody's thoughts and comments as accurately as possible. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, thank, you, um, thank you, Jonathan, for the invitation and also the organization of this event. So uh, thank you all for coming today for the book launch. So I know that it's end of the academic year, uh, term, but it's a... Uh, it's, uh, I mean, great to see you all. So my talk will be on the base on my um, book um, that was actually I published in June this year. So it's going to be on the rise of hybrid political Islam in Turkey and its origins and consolidation of the Justice and Development Party. So uh, 
So what's the motivation um, behind this research? Uh, this, uh, on the AKP, its consolidation and its uh, and its uh, consequences. Uh, Turkey has been a compelling case because of its unique features. So it has been integrated to core Western um, architecture, like uh, institutional architecture, NATO, European Council, Council, Customs Union, while at the same time um, possessing Islamic elements. So it meets it. It's witnessed the rise of the Islamic um, rise of the political Islam by a, a openly contested uh, election. But also there has been we see a gradual yet persist drift to the authoritarianism. So how do we assess this pattern? Has will it be a permanent one or will it be? A, uh, is this drift permanent? We need to ask it. So in order to answer this question. So we need to understand how this shift has happened over the time. It's crucial to understand how this shift has happened with the AKP's uh, rise and consolidation. So in addition to you know, the country-specific questions, features, there might be also a comparative dimension. So maybe this pattern of observing Turkey is not unique to Turkish case. As um, you know, there are still there has been a recent, uh, recent tendency of some countries like a whole um, Hungary and Poland, that are fully integrated to the Western liberal order, EU, NATO member countries, and they have been, been started to drift away from the, this Western liberal order and got, gravitate towards authoritarianism. So uh, the question is, is, hence the question is whether uh, Turkey is in line with this authoritarian trend or not. So if it is, we can apply uh, analytical scheme such as machine party politics and theories of authoritarianism to understand this Turkish case. So for this uh, research, I apply analytical scheme, especially that goes beyond this dichotomy of secularism and the Islamism axis. So to understand this rise and the consolidation of the AKP. So in this, uh, this, uh, in this uh, rational, so my research has attempted to answer the uh, following uh, core question. So how has the AKP became a game changer in the Turkish politics? And how has the party consolidated itself and became uh, quite remarkably resilient uh, over the last uh, 17 years? And how has this consolidation has led to the authoritarian ruling tenor? So to understand, um, to answer to this research question, I have employed and incorporated the theoretical framework, which is a you know, core comparative politics uh, <coughs> literature from the party system theories, Lipset and Rocken, an updated version of Galea et al., to underpin this research. So they, uh, that analyzed, uh, so the framework guided the, both the qualitative research methodology, so which was based in in-depth in uh, uh, interviews and archive research. So I adopted a framework that was beyond the uh, secularism and the um, uh, and the secularism and Islamist uh, axis. So how I incorporated this Lipset and Rokan? So as you know, there has been the um, Lipset and Rokan uh, is developed uh, for in the 1960s to understand the uh, the party system in the established Western uh, democracies. So they employ, employ the state church, center periphery, but this center periphery is not the same as the Mardin uh, and Kahraman center periphery. So I just want to make sure for the uh, scholars who are 
uh, who know very well the Turkish politics, owner, worker, and landed industry. So I employ this, uh, this framework, uh, incorporated into the uh, Turkish context as following. So state and church as a incorporated as secular Islamic is divides. So because um, similar to the Lipset and Rokan, I try to demonstrate the divide between the state-controlled religion versus the power segment of society. In, in this line, uh, in line with this framework, I uh, recruited interviews uh, at the secular Islamist level, level uh, Islamist parties, Republican People's Party, AKP, Felicity Party, so at different party levels, at different hierarchies. Uh, similarly, the center periphery, I try to demonstrate the divide between the uh, the Turkish nation state, the homo that aimed to homogenize the society and the uh, society, and the versus ethnically, linguistically, and also religiously distinct groups, or periphery, in other words. So, in, for this, I recruited um, interviews from Kurdish parties. At that time, uh, when I started to do my PhD, it was 2009. So there was a uh, Peace and Democracy Party, rather than the current uh, People's Democratic Party, uh, NGOs and LV politicians from left-wing parties, to, and also grassroots or organization. And the third level, I, there's the owner worker, they have a very old uh, Lips and Rockens third uh, uh, divide, cleavage. So I use it as an employee and worker in order to demonstrate the di uh, divisions, socioeconomic division between them. Uh, uh, masses that have been uh, living, that, that came to the big metropolitan cities uh, after the uh, urban migration since 1960s, and the center. So I try to focus on the, how the AKP uh, obtained the vote from the, the underprivileged part of the society. For this, I use mostly trade unions and NGOs, and again, grassroots organization. Uh, so this Kakish is one of the um, uh, different uh, trade unions. Kakish was the one that was the closest, closer to the government. And the land and industry, so I employ uh, this divide to demonstrate, to find out more information between the divide between the big urban industrialists versus the uh, small and medium enterprises or petty bourgeoisie. So for this, um, I uh, recruited uh, high-ranking officials from the business associations, Musiat, Tusiat. So some of them are more Tusiat is more oppositional to the uh, to the government, and Musiat and uh, Top have been more relative, uh, especially Top has been and Musiat have been more close to the uh, close to the government's policies. So um, so I use uh, recruited this. Uh, high-ranking officials from this association. And whenever I couldn't find any uh, contacting in, in that interviews with a representative, I refer to archive research, so electoral manifestos and all relevant material. So, uh, so let's look at the flourishing literature. So I analyzed the literature from uh, three clusters. So uh, recently uh, there has been a uh, over the uh, last decade, literature on scholarly work on Turkish politics and society, and also empirical studies on voting behavior have been has been flourish uh, over the last uh, ten years. So I took account, especially recently, there are lots of uh, uh, work. For example, Eligur 2010 and Delibash, they look at more grassroots work, 
uh, esen gümüşçü and they look at more the uh, competitive uh, look at the AKP from the angle of the competitive authoritarian regimes uh, and empirical studies also on voting behavior became very rich currently so charcoal all they have been looking at the voting behavior on the axis of identity economic voting behavior social um, assistance Marshall et al. They look at the from the housing angle, and in Gidangel and Karakoc, they assess the voting behavior in across the lines of uh, social assistance, whether it's pragmatic voting behavior or uh, it's more economic voting behavior. And then also there was also studies on social policy. So Gilmas 2017 uh, look at it, uh, healthcare system uh, in line with the demands of the healthcare system in Turkey in line with the request of the multinational organization over the uh, two decades. And um, Bura and Jandash also have been assessing the welfare uh, system in Turkey. So how has it has been changed? So I look at the, um, all this literature. So how to this increasing literature, how I have contributed? So I uh, uh, I demonstrate the, the, the emergence of a new intermediary stratum that requests more economic and social influence and role in society. So I demonstrated the demand. I brought the demand side. And also I brought the supply side, how the AKP perceive this rising demands, rising aspiration of, uh, in society for both, uh, their, for both their political and uh, economic claims. So I try to explain in this both supply and the demand side. In addition, the fieldwork helped me to find that the AKP's machine party structure and the political bosses' dominant role in governance. Um, and also, I demonstrated in the uh, by showing the consolidation. I also explore um, how these um, pragmatic new political alliances uh, of the AKP. Uh, change when they became uh, obsolete. And I also I discussed how the party's machine structure led to the uh, authoritarian path. So that was the main uh, contribution to the existing literature. Uh, so first, uh, if we look at the demand side uh, of the AKP story, socioeconomic transformation since 1980s has been a, a game changer. So the, ma the main reason behind this change was the adoption of the export-led growth. So it played a crucial role in Turkey uh, in the establishment of the small and medium enterprises. This also contributed to the burgeoning uh, uh, of uh, service-related jobs. So as you see in the graph, trade and sales-related and uh, jobs have smoothly increased over the uh, tw uh, two decades, and with your uh, decline in the industry and the manufacturer is in line with the whole uh, uh, emerging societies. So, um, so this, uh, this model uh, has led to an emergence of export-led growth, has led to, a, uh, to an emergence of new intermediary strata in Turkish society. So this new middle class possessing new demands and aspirations um, and requested a new political party that uh, instead of the established ones. Surely we shouldn't forget the 2000, uh, 2001 economic crisis. It compounded this demand further and further. Uh, and this demand has contributed to the emergence of the AKP. 
So in the book, I explained all these things in detail, but I'm passing a bit uh, fastly. And, uh, so also, in addition to the economic aspect, there's also a political aspect that was uh, uh, that has been crucial. So while this was the uh, this was the socio-economic aspirations uh, explanation behind the AKB's emergence as a party, there's also a crucial political aspect. So uh, on the political ground, AKP targeted emerging middle class and lower segment of society, as well as the uh, identify winners and losers of the Republican era. So losers of the Republican order, um, every group that didn't fit in uh, with the singular identity of the uh, Republican nation states. So uh, linguistically distinct group, such as Kurd, religiously distinct group, pious, uh, uh, conservative Muslim that couldn't fit to this um, singular identity and, and left that was regularly uh, suppressed by the nation state and, uh, and also li liberals that wanted the less the state's uh, role. So I, AKP identifies this overarching cleavage, which I call it in the book uh, Ottoman Republic, and brings those groups together. So in other words, AKP assembles an overarching electoral coalition. So similar to the Lipset and Rokin theoretical framework, so I made an analogy. So uh, Lipset and Rokin uh, demonstrated that, uh, to draw an analogy with the Lipset and Rokin, while the French Revolution uh, paved the way, uh, as was the breaking point for that led to the state church divide, and industrial revolution that led to the land and industry divide. I argue that the establishment of the Republic also caused this Ottoman Republican divide, which we see the repercussions of, only of it uh, still now. Uh, so while this part explained the demand side with respect to the AKP emergence, so now I will explain more consolidation side and more supply side. So the field research has helped me to extract, uh, identify four main themes relating to social, economic, and political promises of the AKP. So, uh, so when we look at the AKP's promises, especially at the, when we look at the old manifestos, uh, we see uh, we see a dichotomous pattern in its uh, manifestos and its deliverable. So when uh, when we see on one hand promises have a universal appeal, on the other hand. Uh, supplies respond to the core constituencies, political groups that are close to the AKP. So le let's look at the economic stability, for instance, uh, which was a, has been a universal promise to economic stability. When we check the leaflet uh, manifesto, so in 2002, 2007, we see that AKP keep promising we brought to economic stability. And the policies that were supplied occurred in terms of machine party politics, clientelism, and construction and consumption led growth mostly. And so when we look at the promises as fundamental rights and freedoms, we see more replacing the dominant role of the old elites or old establishment in social life with a new conservative pro-AKP elite. And regarding the another encore, the EU membership, they instrumentalized the uh, EU membership, that was an anchor for democratization, especially in the early years of the AKP. And we see that this, uh, uh, the supply or the deliverable became to eliminate the role of the military and also even the judiciary in public affairs. 
And for the social policies, when we uh, got uh, was a, their promises was to tackle the post-2001 economic crisis inequalities. And we see that uh, they promised to uh, promise the social uh, policies. We see uh, expansion of welfare benefits, mostly to hold the society. But um, as I will demonstrate a little bit, um, those promises turn into more to wealth, um, welfare benefits targeting to their core constituencies. So overall, if you make a summary, so more wealth uh, turning to the creation of new economic elites, uh, more freedoms turning to replacing the old guard, and the political stability means uh, uh, establishment of uh, AKP as a dominant party under the leadership of one-man rule. So this was the main uh, research that I extracted. The field research has, has helped me to extract these uh, themes. Um, so if I look at the uh, consolidation by catering to core constituencies, uh, for instance, while delivering the economic stability promise, high growth rate obtained and at the expense of high inflation rates, uh, increasing current account de deficit and extended volatility, and we see still the, um, and also lower interest rates. Uh, um, so capitalizing on the single party government also 2002-2007 uh, had the, uh, uh, was a litmus test for its neoliberal economic agenda. So AKP uh, capitalized extremely on the single party government of between the 2000 to 2007. So they delivered the big scale privatization, they managed to obtain lots of generating surpluses. Um, in addition, for the, their electoral consolidation, uh, they employ a multifaceted set of policies. So social assistance, healthcare, housing, education were crucial. Um, I mean, of course, the uh, healthcare system, I will uh, look at the next slide in detail. So um, especially if I take the uh, healthcare reform to illustrate the analytical scheme that was uh, presented before. So previously, there were significant disparities between the three major social security institutions. So for example, civil servants used to go to a, one group. Uh, they used to uh, one uh, social security institution. So this led to the differential treatment among the segments of society and uh, unequal access to health services. And so good quality healthcare services were accessible only to a minority of the Turkish society. And so Prus groups, they had a green card, but uh, they didn't have a functional healthcare scheme. And after the reform, reform they so in the they made a reform and they merge all this, uh, uh, they merge all these three institutions under uh, social uh, security social security institutions, and then they received lots of uh, satisfaction rate, reached to 71 percent in 2007, from the 39.4 percent in 2003. I mean, majority of the surveys have illustrated that there has been a. Uh, the whole society, majority of the society has been satisfied by this healthcare reform. So the, regardless of being, uh, the whole society benefited. Though um, still it's partly fit in a rights-based universal system of welfare, and it still uh, have a means-tested social assistance, still is open to political manipulation. So, um, so that's why 
there are more information that in the book that highlights this dichotomy between the healthcare system and social assistance. So I tackle this um, two uh, area. And then let me. So the second part of the uh, uh, after the social policies, I look at the hybrid political discourse of the AKP and how they use it for encore for electoral consolidation. Um, so, so what? Uh, so, for example, AKP promised to bring the uh, civil and democratic rights, and so there, uh, this has been very mixed as it crafted distinct strategies for different political cleavages. For example, in its uh, greatest display of hybrid approach, they cleverly used the Turkey's bid for EU membership as the anchor for demilitarization and establishment of a cross-cleavage alliance between Kurd, Islamists, left liberals. And 2010 constitutional reform also occurred in this uh, line with this hybrid framework. They received mostly, mostly support from the uh, nationalist bloc in 2010. Uh, constitutional reform. So the party instrumentalized the, this agenda, this hybrid agenda, to canvas different voting blocks uh, throughout the, uh, their, its consolidation. And in doing this, it also made different political alliances. So in the uh, early first decades, they did alliance with liberals, with Gilan movements, now they call it FETO, Kurdish bloc, and now most recently, the main coalition occurred with the ultranationalist uh, Block with the Nationalist Movement Party. So this very hybrid, the way that they keep is, uh, the way that they employ the, their discourse, discourse and to come as vote. Uh, in addition to, uh, in, in addition to, ultra, so uh, if you consider the hybrid political discourse, also what we see this pattern, when the old alliances were obsolete, they are willing to establish new ones to guarantee their election winning coalition. So, when the um, when the, the uh, old alliances was over with the Grand Movement or Kurdish bloc, they started willing to establish a new ones. For example, after 2015, their establishment of the uh, coalition alliances with the uh, with ultranationalist bloc. Uh, so hybrid ideology explains the AKP actually more than its Islamist background. Party adopts itself to the political environment to remain resi resilient in the politics. So it's kind of they are adapting themselves to the uh, political uh, politi political quo. So it can be I I political, or we can say the, the uh, they adapt themselves very easily. And in addition, the hybrid political discourse also uh, as a concluding remark. Uh, AKP also managed to consolidate itself with, um, with a, uh, we cannot, we need to s uh, talk about the party, strong party structure and the, and the closely knitted intra-party relations. So, um, so following the AKP's entrenchment and control of the state apparatus, the party turned into a stronger machine party. For instance, it has brought the media outlets to heal, like a media site. So develop very clientele relations with business groups. So family-oriented, friend-oriented networks became more visible, and also like a process full access to state budgets without checks and balances. For instance, obtain full control of the director of religious affairs. So they have direct access to mosques, religious organization, 
And also, lastly, it's like a fraternal and social organization and other uh, grassroots organization uh, play a crucial role. So, in which we see appointment based on family networks or being from the same town, uh, hometown. I mean, it always existed in Turkey, this kind of uh, fraternal and social organization, but they became even more visible. Uh, so, um, once we, so conclusion, so in the book, I mean, uh, you will see it further in detail. So the research proposed a new theoretical framework, uh, overarching cleavage, and new intermediate stratum to identify the, the conditions that paved the way for the emergence of the AKP, so demand side. It also incorporated theories of machine party politics and political survival that, to show that AKP supplied policies to meet the demand. And this machine party identity of the AKP implies that authoritarian engines existed in the party's DNA and also state's DNA from its early days. And, and lastly, this effective or unitary party apparatus has paved the way to authoritarianism in Turkish politics under a, a single uh, political boss. So, um, I, 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 as a result, I believe that the forces that drive the Turkey to authoritarianism outweigh the more secularism, Islamism, dichotomy. So, as a result, we moved away from the single secularist Islamist analytical scheme to understand the uh, uh, AKP's uh, further entrenchment and in the in society and also in the state. Uh, so this is the book. Thank you very much. So it is a bit. So I will be happy. It's not on. One second. It should be great. Yeah. Any questions? Any questions at all for um, for Savage? Yeah. No question. If I may abuse my position as chair, I'd like to sure, ask you one. Um, and yeah. I apologize in advance because it's a bit unfair. Um, do yeah. you get any sense of, of of any similar developments in the wider region? I mean, is this a, a what you describe is that is this a uniquely Turkish phenomenon, or do you see it happening in other neighbouring countries, perhaps because of Turkish influence? In foreign policy at all? Uh, via foreign policy? Yeah. Well, the tri I, I, um, in the Middle East specific? Yeah. I mean, um, I have been always looking at the, considering the Turkish case in line with the NATO can countries or the neighboring, neighboring countries, neighboring. Uh, in, then we need to uh, look at it in line with the Arab Spring. But I think the Turkish case became unique in that case, like a, in the Middle East, uh, I see. Because even there is a, um, there's a ethnic problems, they have been still, they didn't turn into a civil war or they still contain, so there's still functioning electoral system. So Turkish case, I find it very unique with uh, with the uh, AKP and with Erdogan, so I find it more. So I, I, I compare it more with the uh, Hungary case or Poland case, like a Turkish case. So more than the other cases in the um, in the Middle East, let's say. Yeah, that's all. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. Hi. Thanks a lot. Hi. Uh, thank you, Mati. Hi. 
No, I don't know anything about the region, so it might be a stupid question, yeah. but like, is this uniqueness maybe related of, of the fact that you don't have a rentier state? So from the little, I'll know, there's a lot of literature which says that, you know, like, look at Iran, they used to do well, but now due to what the fact that the bourgeoisie what depends on rent, yeah. whether it comes from oil, grants or loans and so on, uh, that, ha that has led to a particular type of party and a particular type of democracy. You don't have this in Turkey. Yes. So is, is this one of the, like, the main reason or is also how they managed to adapt and look more... I find that the Turkish case more pragmatic than the... Can you repeat, Matia, the, the question? Like, uh, could you... No. I was just wondering whether the fact that well, Turkey is not a rentier state is the only determinant in how the party behave. Or are there other determinants? Um, well, there is the... Um, I mean, we can say that it's mostly the... Mostly the... Uh, in Turkey's case, I find it that the voters have been more pragmatic in the sense, and, and the parties, they adopt themselves in a more... Um, better to do like this authoritarianism might change in the in the short term so I mean, it might change it so I, I'm it might be we don't know whether it will be permanent with the change of the if the Erdogan if the, if the AKP became obsolete because as you might know the June the the main uh, local elections at the municipal elections we saw a change of the uh, three main uh, uh, metropolitan cities may or have changed and they, be, they, they don't belong to the anymore to AKP. So there might be changes. So the changes become very dynamic in Turkish politics, more than the other countries in the Middle East, I would say. So the sociological changes occur fastly and then parties and institutions, they adopt these changes faster and more pragmatically than the other countries in the Middle East. That I my hunch let me say that that might that, that's why it might change easier faster than the iran and all other countries uh, plus there's the nato and the eu relations even they are now they became they are into the recession still they are they are trade partners the eu and uh, turkey Thank you. Thank you. And how do you see uh, the future of uh, Erdogan and, uh, and his party in Turkey now? Um, yeah, the, the good question. So, um, so I mean, the, given the the elections in the last uh, last June, like this June, I think there is a, there things might change, but I think the uh, the AKP and the Machine Party will not allow this change to happen that fast. So uh, the, it, it will take some time, I mean, to opposition, to be institution, institutionalized and to, to, to do that we see the change happen. So I think it will take time. Uh, but I think there is, a, there is a demand again, like in 2002, a demand and aspiration of the new generation 
that might pave the way for a change, for a political change. Again, pragmatic needs of the, I, I always think that the Turkish voter is pragmatic. Economic, they vote, so they have a tendency to vote economically. And as you know now, the, the, the economy is not going very well, so they might take decision according to the, their pockets uh, very easily in Turkish society. So it might change uh, fastly. Uh, we saw it in uh, this year elections and also, uh, um, at the, especially at the big cities, metropolitan urban uh, centers, we see this change more and more. So more than the inner Anatolia and the uh, Black Sea region, northern Turkey, but uh, we see these changes, uh, especially in the uh, metropolitan urban areas. So there might be ch change further. I, I was um, wondering Hi. without Thank you. Much oh. anything about it, but how much here of the rise of the AKP in response to the emergence of these new intermediate strata is, I mean, how much is that also part of the story is why the other parties didn't respond and so they were sort of in some state of, as it were, paralysis or, you know, uh, that they, they weren't able to uh, adapt the thing in the 90s there was a whole um there was a coalition government like the whole there was a so there was the uh, coalition government uh, became the predominant uh, factor in the whole 90s so if i the average coalition government last uh, in on average terms coalition governments lasted seven months in the night uh, from 90s to 2001 2002 so this, um, so there was a, and there were always economic crisis, 1994 economic crisis, 2001 economic crisis. So this in, in emergency, so there was a um, demand and there were, there was a demand for a further, uh, further economic opening. So making the, so they, so, so the society, especially in 2002, they were greatly fed up with the established uh, establishment parties. So for only two parties in 2002, we saw Republican People's Party and the AKP uh, managed to, uh, to be represented in 2002 elections. So all the other parties of the 90s were kind of in to, um, uh, previous coalition governments, all the parties, there were three parties, they kind of wipe uh, wipe away, so they didn't exist. So this demand couldn't be answered by the by the other parties, and also there's also punishment effect. Like uh, the uh, society wanted majority of the society wanted to punish the current uh, establishment established parties, left center left and center right parties. So we saw only two parties that wasn't in the uh, government in the parliament uh, pre 2002. So there was a, uh, and there was also economic crisis. So the the demands was understood mostly by the AKP in that year. That was my, uh, I mean, it was based on my interviews, especially and the statistics um, uh, shown. Yeah. Uh, here, yes. Uh, thanks very much. Very, Thank very interesting. I was particularly interested in this, this alliance building, and you were saying that they, they were able to kind of to, to bridge these various sort of um, 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 cleavages, whether ethnic or kind of social cleavages. 
But alliance building means you have to balance different interests. And, and as you showed, there were some quite sort of... Um, Which sort one? Well, when you think about sort of, um, you, you said that that they they both sort of um, made promises to the winners of, of the of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. the losers, yeah. um, plus the ethnic sort of the, yeah. the, the outsiders and the inside, yeah. and these have all different interests. So at some point, you you cannot keep promising everything to everybody. You you will come sort of off off the rails in some way. So so what, how did they manage to kind of to keep that um, uh, going for so long, and? If if the kind of as you said at some point they, they shifted alliances, was that because the kind of old alliances no longer trusted them, and so they had to find sort of new alliances because they they couldn't sort of mm -hmm. give up. I mean, to, they couldn't um, keep up with with the promises. And then so related to that is in some ways the, the last sort of upset in in June, the, the municipal sort of upset, that they have now become the new elite, and the the, 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 the losers that they, they kept sort of on board are now no longer seeing them as as their kind of their their go-to party. In some ways, they've they've lost faith in in the ability to uh, to de deliver on the promises. Yes, let me. Uh, uh, so the yes, the old alliances. So why did they become obsolete? Um, so this one. Uh, one second. Mm. No, So all the um, in terms of al uh, alliances. One second, let me. Yeah. So uh, especially they became so. It was very difficult to cater to the needs of the different uh, political groups. I mean, it was it was difficult, but it was more like a case, like the periods, um, the political win. Let's say uh, they needed they uh, the when they came the first in their manifesto. It was like a political. Promises were targeting, um, you know, the, the main theme was the demilitarization. So reducing the role of the military in in the state, state apparatus. So that was the goal of the Kurdish groups, Sunni Islamists, left wing liberals. So it was a kind of big coalition, and of, and also European Union pressure. It was in the European harmonization, in line with European harmonization, they had to change it. Uh, uh, third package of the European harmonization, they had to change it. And also lots of secular liberal Turks, they were eager to change it. Okay, let's demilitarize. And they thought that, okay, they will also bring the EU democratization, uh, democratization, demilitarization will occur via uh, EU. So this is very good. So however, this stopped after 2007. But then they uh, brought, for example, the, the 2010, um, of course, they were also in alliance with the Gulen movement too at that time. So it's very complex to uh, disentangle Gulen movement and a whole other the dynamics. But as a political party, if we talk, they had also uh, alliances with, they started to do alliance with also nationalists. For example, in 1980, there was the military coup in Turkey. So 2010, it was the, uh, commemoration, the anniversary of the military coup, and AKP and the whole political mechanism promised to change the constitution, and they get the vote from the uh, left-wing groups who, who were still eager to change, and again liberals. And so, uh, but then uh, they change also judiciary after this, and also they get the vote from the groups um, that were, so it, it, it kind of, it's like a, um, throughout the time, uh, for them, they, 
left-wing groups s uh, stop uh, supporting them, but that they, they find, they realize, okay, this is not going well, okay, let's do the, in 2015, for example, when the AKP uh, votes uh, declined to, I think, 40%, and then they have to do, a start, um, uh, they have to make a coalition. And then they realize that they have to cope, uh, make a coalition before the election with ultranational. So they have to make another path so that they uh, increase their vote. So they have to always adapt to the new uh, political environment, let's say. So, and we see it very pragmatically done and very quickly. So uh, you don't even realize. So it's, uh, I find it. And uh, about the new elites, uh, yes, we can also conclude that this. Uh, uh, the new municipalities that uh, uh, main cities Ankara, Istanbul, Adana, Antalya, um, Ankara, Izmir, uh, Izmir was already secular. So they, we see that the aspirations uh, start. Uh, society's aspiration was more. It's kind of fa currently being failed to be understood by the uh, establishment. Establish elites of the AKP, and now they are uh, people, they are, you know, voters, they are trying to find new aspirations in other, in other parties. And so I think it will start slowly, but on the other hand, AKP will not stop, uh, still have the power, have the central uh, bank uh, budget. They might, uh, for example, withhold the state budget from the main uh, main uh, from the municipality budget or they can appoint like they did in the Kurdish area appoint uh, trustees so instead of the elected mayor so they have the power to uh, to said, still suppress this this part but I think the more the voters see this the more they will they, they would like to go to the opposition so there is a kind of balance in this case uh, thank you yeah. Any more questions at all? No? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. thank you very much again. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, please join me in thanking for a wonderful presentation. Thank you very much.